welcome to Let's Talk Diz, a show that gives you everything you need to know to help make your Disney vacation as magical as can be in just about 20 minutes. I'm your host, Jeff Coviello. With me each week is Disney Master Sandy from Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services. Sandy, how are you this week? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. We are continuing on with our holiday-themed shows, and tonight we are boarding a plane from where you and I live and going across this great country of ours over to the West Coast, where we are going to talk about the Candlelight Processional at Disneyland. And those of you who are regular listeners of the show know that that was the bucket list item of mine. It is not an easy thing to get into like it is in Walt Disney World. And one of the things that I love about Candlelight is it just, although it is a religious service, it really transcends all religions. I am not Catholic, which is what the service is based in, but I've done four candlelight shows this season because it is just that incredible of an experience. Well, and I know that, you know, obviously it's the type of thing that you put on your list pretty much annually, I would say. And it, and there's a reason for that because it's, it's, it's a moving experience regardless of the spiritual aspect of it or the religious aspect of it. But we have them on both coasts. So I guess it's natural to assume tonight we're going to do a little bit of, of comparing the two for folks that have, have seen the one in, in Florida. But before we do all that, Tell us what exactly it is and when it occurs. The Candlelight Processional is the religious telling of the story of Christmas. And in California, it is done with an all-cast choir, a specialty choir, and regardless of which coast you're on, it always has a celebrity narrator that reads the story. So the narrator reads... Literally, I've started paying attention. 90 seconds to two minutes, then you have song, then they've got 60 seconds to 90 seconds, and then you have song. And so it's just a great experience. And I do it many times every season because it's funny how it can be the identical thing, but how different each narrator can make it. Even though they're given a script and the only deviation they're allowed is about three sentences in their opening and then they're closing, but the actual script and story and song is all the same. Interesting. Okay. So I guess let's, let's kind of compare the two, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I know every time we've talked about certain shows like that occur in Walt Disney world and then occur in Disneyland, there's certain twists to it based off of simply the size of the property in Disneyland. Talk to me about the differences, the major differences that you see between the two, because we've talked a lot about the one in Epcot. And I think the reason we talk so much about the one in Epcot is because of the sheer number of opportunities to see it. In Epcot, it starts Friday of Thanksgiving weekend, and it goes nightly, three times actually nightly, all the way through up until the end of December. So you have about 125, 135 opportunities to see the show, depending on how the holidays fall. And in Walt Disney World, 
The shows are open to everybody. The narrator announcements usually come out September, October. There are people who obviously have their trips planned way in advance. Then there are people like me who start planning based on the narrator schedules, though they are obviously always subject to change. Disneyland is pretty much the opposite of that as you can get. It occurs two nights in a row, only twice each evening. And for the most part, it is by invitation only for the audience. And the date is kept a secret up until pretty close to the show because they don't want people in the public trying to all get there and see it. They just can't accommodate that. And so it is an experience, as I said, by invitation only. Which um, is, which is obvious, awesome. <laughs> Go yes. Ahead. We know that there is no Epcot in Disneyland. So I know that probably the majority, if not all of our listeners, have been to Walt Disney World. And many, like you, Jeff, have not made it to the West Coast. But as I'm discussing this, you can all picture that American Gardens Theater where they do so many concerts. And now I'm going to give you this visual for how they do it in Disneyland. And even though you've never been, you're going to be able to follow along. So they actually do it in Disneyland Park, which is kind of their magic kingdom. And that massive choir is up on the train station. The orchestra is at the base of the train station, kind of what we would call the hub right after you go under those tunnels walking through the Magic Kingdom. And then the narrator is set off on the stairs on the side. And so it's all the people performing are actually facing the castle. It is literally held on the street. It used to be after hours and extremely exclusive. It is now during park hours, which is bizarre to me. So, again, invitation only, but during park hours. Hmm. Um, again, if you can picture being in Magic Kingdom, that hub that you might watch the end of the parade on, where the parade would normally go around the hub on the street there, they fill with chairs. And it's, again, all invited guests, Club 33 members, certain partnerships they have, Disney executives. It's a really neat mix. But they do allow some members of the public, if you're there early and really stake out a spot, to kind of stand in front of the stores right around the hub. You can certainly hear it and get a glimpse of it. What you do see that is magnificent, if you've seen Candlelight Processional in Epcot or any church that holds Candlelight Processional, you know that based on its name, normally the singers process in holding candles. Mm -hmm. Because of the makeup of Disneyland, they actually process down Main Street to the train station. Got so, it. okay. Interesting. Just an incredible sight to see. So, uh, you brought it up specifically about anytime you've seen this before. So, uh, that's kind of the question that I think is worth asking. You know, you're on vacation when you're at Disneyland for the most part. Most of our listening audience, if they were in Disneyland, they'd be on vacation. If this type of experience is offered in, in their church or maybe there are college students offered there or some other place 
where they spend their time in the holidays. Why do you think that people, this is so powerful enough that people should take some time away from their vacation to experience it? There is something so incredibly moving about it, no matter where you see it. It is, to me, extra magical in Disney. It puts you in that holiday mindset and the opportunity to see different celebrities. Again, in Walt Disney World, you know who you're getting. People that we work with will often kind of look, maybe they're doing five or six days in the park. And usually narrators are there for two or three nights. So some people will say, you know, I'm going to do it my second Epcot night because nobody in my family knows that singer or that athlete or that actor or actress. Um, We're in Disneyland. It's really that bucket list item because of the exclusivity. Um, I probably shouldn't say this being Marvel (laughs) is such a big franchise. Sure. But when I found out the morning of the show, it leaked who the reader was for Disneyland. And if she was in Walt Disney World, I honestly probably wouldn't have seen her. Um, It was Brie Larson, who's Captain Marvel, of course. Sure. Um, I am not a huge Marvel fan. I was not fangirling over her like many there that night. But again, still just such an incredible experience. And part of what makes a difference in some of the narrators is their connection to Disney. You know, some of them, I do wonder how they were picked and what made them accept. You've probably heard me go on and on about my admiration for Jodi Benson and her love of the Disney company. And whenever she speaks, she talks about how fortunate she is to be part of the Disney company and talks about her experiences from childhood. And I saw a lot of that in Brie Larson. She was really emotional that she was selected and she was the Disneyland girl. And so to see that energy coming off the reader also just adds to the experience incredibly. So you've mentioned several times when we talk about the one on the East Coast that you really believe this experience is is open for everybody, that it's not necessarily a religious experience. Would you say that it, it echoes, you echo that sentiment for the West Coast? It's pretty much a wide open experience. The one thing I will say, because as I did admit, I have done four candlelights this year, and I will admit that I didn't enjoy one of them that I was really looking forward to as much as the others, because I ended up being seated next to a family. And this is not a dig on families, but I've talked about this with candlelight before. They had what I'm guessing is a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And the kids clearly did not want to be there. I'm not sure the parents wanted to be there. (laughs) They talked the entire show. Yeah, that's tough. And I I pretty much waited till about 15, 18 minutes in. And then I said to them, if I could please ask you to limit the talking. And they looked at me like I was some wacko person. Um, (laughs) Normally in that theater, you can hear a pin drop, which I always say is funny to be in the middle of the theme park and not hear any extraneous noise. Sure. 
What I always recommend to people, if you're a regular Catholic churchgoer, this will mean something to you. If you only sit in a cry room at church, this isn't for you. <laughs> that's a fair, that's a fair takeaway. East coast or West coast. I think that that's yes, a fair. For those takeaway. of you who are not Catholic, the cry room is a room for families when your children are going to be loud. So you don't disturb church service. Yep. Kids can be in there and they can make noise. It's an incredibly moving experience, but it is one that deserves the respect and people around you are looking for that respect. Um, one of the differences that I really saw that kind of ties into that level of respect, somehow, even though obviously the story is the story, they don't have the same song selection on both coasts. They're probably about 70% the same. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't do my favorite, which I think everybody laughs that, you know, the Jewish girl has a favorite <laughs> Christmas car favorite Christmas carol. No, come on. That's important. Um, Everybody's got a favorite Christmas carol. <laughs> and this year at Walt Disney World, they really have thrown the audience for a loop. Again, those of you who are very religious will know that when you hear that beginning of the Hallelujah Chorus, what do you do? You stand, stand up. <laughs> stand up. Yeah. I mean, that, I even know that from enough high school choir concerts. Sure. You hear Hallelujah Chorus, you, you stand, stand up. up. Yes, absolutely. You did not play Hallelujah Chorus in California. Okay. In Florida this year, I don't know who did this, but they did like a Hallelujah Chorus mashup. I didn't know that that was really an option. And so it takes, you know, a good 30 seconds for everyone in the audience to realize it's Hallelujah Chorus and let me stand up. And then they're standing and then the song changes and people don't know what to do because it's only 30 seconds in and it's a, normally a long song. Sure, sure. So half of them stay standing, half of them sit. Then other people start to sit and then the mashup goes back to Hallelujah Chorus. So, but but on the West Coast, expected. a, a a little bit of a different arrangement in the music, it sounds like, between what you've traditionally come to expect on the East Coast. The, the question, well, the, like I said, the East Coast went non-traditional this year. The Correct. West Coast yeah. dropped it. Um, my favorite carol, because I know you're all in suspense. I love when they saw the star, and they don't do that on the West Coast. So I, I did text my daughter when it was over and said, I don't know if this counts as a candlelight if they didn't do my song. <laughs> well, it doesn't count for you. I don't know if it, I don't know if that's the same thing for the entire you know, I'll, invited I'll audience. <laughs> I, I did witness it, but you know, if you're listening out there at Disneyland, I don't know what you did with my song, but put it back in the future. Figure it out. What, what you mentioned that it's, it's by invitation and, or, or a very small group of the public can be included in it. What does it cost? In Disneyland so that's a trick question because if you want to be an invited guest it's costly you need to be a club 33 member you need to have certain other things that are extremely costly yeah if not and you can find out what the secret date is and it's usually either the first weekend or the second weekend in December Saturday and Sunday only um, you can stand on the street for free. Hmm. You won't ever get a seat. Those are invitation only. So you're not going to be able to get that perfect view and that dead center option. But, you know, you can get a peek at whoever the celebrity narrator is. You can certainly 
it's an experience to be heard. Got it. And you will definitely get to do that. Okay. I guess the, the last real question that I have before I'll, I'll throw it to you and say anything to close with is, is there anybody that with the West coast version of it, like who can we expect to see at, at an event like this? You know, it's interesting. As I said, I've never understood all of the East coast selections. So it's a little harder with the West coast, but I do think when you talk about, scale of Disneyland and they're doing a lot less, you know, it tends to be somebody heavily tied to the brand. Got it. Where in world, it's really about celebrities. I mean, they have literally ball players, musicians, um yeah, it's, actors, it's very wide very wide open on, on the East Coast. Um you know, I kind of feel like when I'm when they announce the damn thing with the stars cast, when they come out with the <laughs> East Coast candlelight list, I always ooh and ah over a couple. And then I go, who is that? What do they do? Yeah, and yeah. 50% of them, when I look up their name, I actually do know who they are. But West Coast typically is somebody tied into the Disney Corporation, a Disney franchise, a new Disney movie in the last year or two. So that bigger tug of the heartstring. Well, I think that's that's what makes it unique. I think a lot of what you've described tonight about the experience, you know, is very, very unique to Disneyland, which we know as we've spoken to you many, many times, Disneyland is, is such a unique experience in in your mind and in your heart. So it would it would make sense that this would also play a role there. Anything else you want to share about the Disneyland experience for the Candlelight Professional before we say goodnight? You know, I think I I thought about it a lot while I was standing there, frankly. Sure. Thinking, you know, obviously I know how it goes in Epcot and it's this big theater and everybody can sit semi comfortably. And I'm like, why why don't they do it in a theater here? And I'm really still not sure I understand the answer to that question because they do have a big theater. Um, their Lion King show is there right now. It's an outdoor theater that could work. But I think my kind of answer that I came up with for myself is that this is a tradition that dates all the way back. And so the theater that's there now was not an original to the park. And with this, they keep that original tie-in. This is the spot where candlelight has always been held. And just a little side note, when we talk about Disneyland and the holidays, for those that don't know it, one of the things that I always think of when, you know, you're out and about for the holidays is all the Toys for Tots drives. Mm -hmm. And if you're not aware of it, that logo was designed by Disney Imagineers. That was a collaboration with Walt. Interesting. So, you know, that holiday feel goes back decades in Disneyland history. And I think that's the exclusivity of it and that keeping it as close to original as they can. Well, I certainly appreciate the knowledge of somebody, as you've mentioned, has not been out to the West Coast. Anytime we get to talk about something that's very unique to the West Coast, even if we do something similar on the East Coast, I enjoy hearing about it because it's not something I've experienced. You are, in fact, the Disney master, and I appreciate your expertise, especially around this holiday season. Have a great week. You too. I hope everyone has a very happy holiday. 
And that's a wrap this week on Let's Talk Dis. If anyone you know could benefit from this or any show, please share, have them like, and subscribe. And don't forget to reach out to the folks at Easy Dis by Instant Impressions Travel Services for any Disney destination planning. Make it a great week. And as always, keep making memories.